Prisons emptied. A parallel government installed. The mood was happy. One day I visited some men who had gathered in town for a military training exercise. It resembled a Monty Python skit. Libyans stood at attention in strict configurations, or practiced walking like soldiers, or gaped at a pile of weapons in bewilderment. The rebels were just ordinary men, doctors, engineers, electricians, who had thrown on whatever green clothes or leather jackets or Converse sneakers they had in their closet, and jumped in the backs of trucks, loaded with Kachusha rocket launchers and rocket-propelled grenades. Some men lugged rusty Kalashnikovs, others gripped hunting knives, some had no weapons at all. When they took off down the coastal road toward Tripoli, the capital city, still ruled by Gaddafi, journalists jumped into their boxy four-door sedans and followed them, to what would become the front line. We traveled alongside them, watched them load ammunition, and waited. Then one morning, one of the first days on that lonely strip of highway, a helicopter gunship suddenly swooped down low over our heads and unleashed a barrage of bullets, spitting at us indiscriminately. The gaggle of fighters shot up in the air with Kalashnikovs. One boy threw a rock. Another, his eyes wild with terror, ran for a sand berm. I ducked beside the front of a tin can car and took a picture of him and knew this would be a different kind of war. The front line moved along a barren road surrounded by sand that stretched flat to the blue horizon. Unlike in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, there were no bunkers to jump into, no buildings to hide behind, no armored Humvees in which to crouch down on the floor. In Libya, when we heard the hum of a warplane, we went through the motions. We stopped, looked up, and cowered in anticipation of rounds of ammunition or bombs, and tried to guess where they would land. Some people lay on their backs, some people covered their heads, some people prayed, and some people ran, just to run, even if it was to nowhere. We were always exposed to the massive Mediterranean sky. I had been a conflict photographer for more than ten years, and had covered war in Afghanistan, Iraq, Sudan, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Lebanon. I had never seen anything as scary as Libya. The photographer Robert Kappa once said, if your pictures aren't good enough, you're not close enough. In Libya, if you weren't close enough, there was nothing to photograph, and once you got close enough, you were in the line of fire. That week I watched some of the best photojournalists in the business— veterans of Chechnya and Afghanistan and Bosnia, leave almost immediately after those first bombs fell. It's not worth it, they said. There were several moments when I too thought to myself, this is insane, what am I doing? But there were other days when I felt that familiar exhilaration, when I thought I am actually watching an uprising unfold. I am watching these people fighting to the death for their freedom, I am documenting the fate of a society that has been oppressed for decades. Until you get injured or shot or kidnapped, you believe you are invincible. And it had been a few years since anything had happened to me. The other journalists were leaving the scene at the hospital. I knew it was time to return to the front line. The sounds of war echoed in the distance. Shelling, anti-aircraft fire, ambulance sirens. I didn't want Paul to hear the noise. Baby, I have to go. I'll see you soon, my love. Love you. Long ago, I learned that it is cruel to make loved ones worry about you. 
I tell them only what they need to know, where I am, where I am going, and when I am coming home. I was there on assignment for the New York Times with three other award-winning journalists, Tyler Hicks, a photographer, and a friend whom, oddly enough, I had grown up with in Connecticut, Anthony Shadid, arguably the best reporter working in the Middle East, and Stephen Farrell, a British-Irish journalist who had worked in war zones for years. Between us, we had about 50 years of experience working in awful places. We had entered the country illegally from Egypt, along with hordes of other journalists. We left the suburban hospital together and headed toward the center of Ajdabia to look for the front line. Anthony and Steve were in one car, and Tyler and I were in another with our driver, Mohammed. It had been difficult to find a good driver in Libya. Mohammed, a soft-spoken university student with a fresh face and a